On this episode of AV Week, repurposing rental staging gear to help dealers and also help live events workers who have been impacted. Cisco takes a look at the as-a-service model and when and how the AV industry will recover after COVID. All that and more, next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week, episode 470, recorded Friday, August 21st, 2020. Nothing new. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Kramer, AV Beyond the Box, and by Draper, focused on innovative solutions. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audio, visual news, and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host. With us to discuss the news and information we have gathered this week, first and foremost, you know him as Brock McGinnis from Avatos. Welcome, sir. Hello, Tim. Good to be here. Thank you, sir. Uh, only way I can see Brock, because he's up in Toronto, and neither of us can cross at least the Canadian-U.S. border. Brock can go anywhere in the world he wants, but us big, dumb Americans can't. Uh, Kelly Perkins uh, is a fantastic marketing person and does all kinds of really cool social media, including our social media. So thank you, ma'am. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for that awesome intro. I appreciate Absolutely. it. I'm now blushing. <laughs> no, don't blush. And last but not least, a young man that I got a chance to meet this week uh, happens to be our buddy uh, David Danto's new boss. His name is Darius Jones from Polly. Welcome, sir. Thank you for having me. Really excited. Absolutely. Thank you. And if you get a chance, um, check out the, the, the big crossover event that, that we at AV Nation did with, along with Mr. Danto uh, and Polly and uh, a bunch of other folks, uh, the, the, uh, the AV Jam guys. Mr. Netta was there. Neil from uh, Polly over in the UK was there. Uh, it'll be posted on our site. It'll be posted on uh, Let's Do Video's site uh, with Mr. Maldo. And even think the UK, uh, the AV Jam guys' site. So check it out. Two hours, Darius was on a, a panel along with Zoom. Uh, and then I got a chance to, to do a panel with uh, a bunch of really smart uh, consultants uh, and industry analysts. And then uh, Chris tried to moderate the rest of us yahoos so any any which was interesting so anyhow uh first story comes to us actually from our friends over at ab uh, network uh, scn avixa has released a new uh a new report looking at both the sales index as well as the employment index coming out of 2021 and going into 20 i'm sorry coming out of 2020 and going into 2021 according to the report quote unquote sales index reached 53.7 this in, represents an increase of three points from june indicating that that mark was at was at 50 uh, points which is actually even higher than what had happened in, in April and May. According to Avixa and according to the report, they are forecasting that even though there was a dip in the April, uh, March, April, May timeframe, it is trending up and most likely both employment as well as AV sales will, will recover sometime in 2021, possibly as, as late as 2022. Mr. McGinnis, we'll start with you. You've been around this uh, industry a, a long time. Uh, you've seen your fair share of setbacks and downturns. Um, what do you think? What, you, what is your forecast based on the, your, your clients, the integrators, but also the folks that you're talking to? Uh, I'm very conservative about forecasting, Tim. I don't think that a month ago or two months ago or three months ago, we had any idea that there would be, you know, more than 5 million coronavirus cases in the U.S., um, that more than 170,000 people would 
have passed because of it, and uh, and that you know coming into September, uh, we still wouldn't know if it was safe to send kids back to school, and and so the unknowns uh, about when people will fully return to offices, fully return to manufacturing production facilities, uh, are still there, and um, I think that the AV industry got busy because. Uh, uh, you know, as the as we came into the summer because of pent up demand, uh, there were you know projects that were stalled and needed to be completed. Uh, this is all uh, stuff that was already in the pipeline, and I'm concerned that new pipeline activity is not really starting at least on the construction side. Um, maybe we don't feel those effects until late 2021 or 2022 um, but uh, but I am in the uh, I am in the no growth or uh, contraction camp at this point so it is is this little bump that we're seeing um, is it an, an anomaly is it is it just kind of a, a bump a bump up in other words in a road and it's going to go back down well um, the statistics are already out of date uh, okay. You know, were uh, they were likely collected six weeks ago? Um, at this point, I think they were talking even about you know early June uh, uh, kind of indicators, and and um, uh, and we've all I think firmly believed that this coronavirus thing was just going to go away, and it was going to you know it was going to fold its tent and and back up and and everything was going to be okay. And the longer that we persist uh, into this current business climate, where uh, a lot of industries are still really just treading water uh, and and trying to keep their you know their nose above uh, above level, um, the more uncertainty it causes. Uncertainty stops businesses from making plans. Um, and while there's going to be a ton of activity. Uh, you know, in the Toronto uh, large employer market, for example, uh, people are not returning to high-rise office buildings at this point until 2021, January 2021. And the 20 largest employers uh, in Toronto, which is the the uh, uh, third or fourth largest metropolitan area in North America, have all committed uh, to keeping people home, keep the number of people on transit down, um, uh, you know, minimize uh, circulation and as a result, minimize risk of community spread. Um, and there's going to be a lot of work, you know, when those people do return to those offices, uh, reconfiguring and, and adapting to, uh, uh, you know, to new styles and ways of working together safely and, and collaborating in person safely, which of course we all want to do. Um, but, uh, uh, but I'm not. I'm not looking for us to get back to previous levels, and particularly, you know, the skyrocketing growth that we've that our industry has uh, uh, enjoyed for the last decade. I, I think that at best we can hope for plateau, uh, at least until the world feels safe again. All right. Kelly, same kind of question. You, you, Kelly works with a lot of manufacturers, but also uh, um, uh, manufacturers reps. So, both from a regional standpoint as well as a national standpoint, what are you seeing? I mean, it, I guess on the manufacturer side, I guess it depends on what you manufacture, <laughs> like USB cameras, headsets, <laughs> video conferencing type, you know, stuff. It's it's um. It's all good. Yeah, I think it's great. Things are going great for those guys. Um, 
you know, I work with a couple integration firms across the country and even one up in Canada and, you know, they seem to be doing all right. But I think, you know, I think it, it could be like what Brock said, it's in the funnel, but you know, or it's been in the pipeline for a while. I think everybody scrambling to go back to school has been a big opportunity for the integration firms because teachers, school districts, I mean, you talk to anybody that works in education and it's different everywhere. Nobody knows what they're doing. So they're looking to other people for help. Um, you know, it just, I, I hear a lot of really positive, positive comments from people, but you know, for every five positive comments, then I get another phone call of, we had to lay X amount of people off, or we're not going into the office till 2021, or we can't participate in this or do that because we don't have enough cash on hand, or so-and-so is looking for a job, you know, and then there's that piece of it, but then, you know, you have to remember the whole live production side of stuff too. I mean, is that included in this as well? I can't imagine that it is. No. So, I mean, it it just really depends on who you're talking to. I think, you know, being conservative, I mean, I'm scared. (laughs) I think a lot of people are. And, um, you know, but I I try and take it day by day and be happy that I still have have work and that my customers are still getting work in the door. Um, But I don't. I mean, I don't know how, like Brock said, if this is six weeks old, I don't even know how we can forecast because we don't even know what's happening next month. <laughs> like, yeah. Darius, to get, get you folks a little bit closer statistics, uh, last week the, 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 uh, the U.S. government announced that uh, jobless claims did, did, did crest over a million again. They had, it had gone under a million uh, for about a week or so, but it is over a million now. When you're looking at this and you're talking to your customers, and Polly does make a lot of those, you know, we were somewhat uh, commenting about the fact that if you sell USB cameras, you know, things are going well. However, you still have customers and you still have dealers that are looking at, as Brock said, not going back to work, not going back to the office, or maybe their customers aren't. So when you're looking at this and you guys are forecasting, you know, what are you looking at and, and what are some of the metrics that you guys are, are using to say, you know what, this may not hit. Uh, in, in, you know, it may not recover in, until, you know, the middle of next year or whenever you guys think it is, but what are the metrics that you're really looking at? Yeah. So, you know, one third of the team that I represent is the strategy team. So very much, you know, in their, their, um, center court. And, you know, I, I listen to Kelly, I think everyone's scared, right? You know, when you, when you talk to customers, everyone this is an unprecedented event, and I think I have to throw a, a dime in the cuss jar because everyone's used that word so much. Um, but it truly is, right? 2020 as a year is an anomaly. So we would normally look at unemployment figures. We would normally look at real estate figures. We would look at a variety of things in this portfolio of kind of a market view that says what's going to grow, what might contract. And I think all bets are off, right? You know, if, if anyone said that we would be dealing with fires, um, a pandemic, an oddly formulated election, and, you know, a variety of other things that are going on in 2020, I think we need a comet and aliens to visit. And then we, we have, you know, the perfect formula. Um, so we've decided to just look at, you know, what's customer demand. We're, we're intimately involved with a lot of large organizations planning and all things that Brock and Kelly said are true. What we're, what we're noticing though is 
that demand's not going away. It's kind of moving around the portfolio um, in kind of nebulous ways. Um, so, you know, a customer who was planning a phone rollout is now planning a headset rollout to support a UC, you know, deployment. A customer who was planning on an open office deployment is looking at hybrid working and is saying, hey, people aren't going to come into the office just to meet. People are going to come into the office because they have something to do, which may include meeting, and that open office now becomes a huddle room of one, right? And so I think the demand is going to still be there. Um, it's about creatively meeting that demand and having the flexibility to move throughout the customer demand segments from USB kind of personal devices all the way up to room systems that are probably going to serve a slightly different purpose. Um, that's kind of how we're looking at the opportunity. Um, the traditional demand signals are there, but I, I'm not sure that those demand signals are extremely accurate at this point. All right, very good. Next story comes to us from our friends over at um, Commercial Integrator. Taking a look at Cisco's, I'm sorry, not Commercial Integrator, good Lord, uh, Innovate on the Neck. Taking a look at Cisco's uh, yearly uh, budget and their, their financial year, Cisco CEO Chuck Robbins is considering a quote-unquote transition to, a, uh, to focus on new areas amid a decrease in profits of 5% in the 2020 fiscal year that just ended for them. Uh, they're rebalancing and re looking into more R&D investments to focus on new areas, including a possible as-a-service model. Kelly, we'll start on you on the, with you on this. Uh, AV as a service, hardware as a service. Uh, stuff as a service in general is something that the AV industry has debated for, I'm going to guess, about five or six years. Brock it will eventually correct me on that if I'm wrong. Uh, you've got our, our buddy Joe Way who has made a t-shirt that says AV as a service must die or is wrong or something like that. However, though, that young man has now uh, signed an AV as a service uh, contract. I want to point that out there uh, for USC. So, so Joe at least has come around. When you're looking at this from both a marketing standpoint, but also somebody who used to work in, in manufacturing, you're trying, we're, we're, they're trying, and, and Cisco possibly will be trying to educate their dealers and also the end users into this model. How difficult is that to get, uh, I guess, first the, the integrators to understand this model of, you know, you're not only selling, you know, hardware boxes now with a margin, you're now so selling a service along with that. Well, I think, I mean, I, I, I think it's going to have to turn to it as a service. And I think now is probably the best time to start looking at that because people don't have large amounts of cash sitting around for giant projects, right? So how about we take, you know, and it, it, it offers the flexibility too, right? So let's say you sign, you know, whatever the typical, you know, subscription or contract is, you know, you could say, okay, we'll sign it for three months and then we'll, we'll relook at it and say, is this working for us? Do we need to adjust? Do we need to shift? And it gives, it gives the end user customers the option and the, and the capability to not have to invest a large amount of money for like a permanent installation that might change again, because there's so much unknown and so much uncertainty and things can change very quickly to me it just seems like to me it seems like a no-brainer for an end user to look at leasing or renting equipment or just renting as a service yeah darius same kind of question here as, as a manufacturer um i'm not going to ask if you know we, you guys are rolling out one but there are certain products and, and and devices both from the the you know the the poly system but also in uc in general 
that would make sense, uh, especially when, as we're, we were talking about in the previous story, folks were trying to re- kind of reconfigure their workspace and, and, and take those former huddle spaces that were two and three folks' rooms and then trying to you know, re- re- uh, reconfigure those. How do we get, um, you know, both kind of the manufacturing community as well as the, uh, the consultant and the, and the integrator community to kind of wrap their heads around this and, and educate each other, but also take that education amongst ourselves and, and come with a good story, I guess, or a good, um, uh, a good program for um, end users and, and you know, education and technology managers. Absolutely. Um, it, it's about looking at the past, right? You know, when I first started at Poly, you know, one of the first comments I made was as a previous customer uh, across a variety of technologies, um, as a service is nothing new, right? In networks as a service, you know, have been around for decades. Uh, although, I mean, that, that was the original as a service. You, you bought a phone from AT&T, not. All right, you, you bought service, it came with a phone. Matter of fact, you couldn't even plug another telephone into the network until 1984, I think, right? Um, and then, you know, so network as a service, compute as a service, you know, collaboration as a service, now contact center as a service. People are used to the acquisition model and there's some really fundamental business models that already exist. Um, it's not a lather, rinse and repeat. When you think of hardware being deployed and the capital outlay that a manufacturer, a provider, or an installer has to put to put a monthly service together. It's no trivial task, but the business models have existed throughout time. And so, you know, I know you didn't ask the question, but we've obviously uh, not just been playing around with hardware as a service. Uh, we actually have motions in place. We have one that was announced with Zoom, um, you know, the Studio X, VVXs, and a couple of other devices like the Trio are in there. Um, we've also done this with contact centers. And what this allows people to do, whether it's the customer point of view of being able to try something at scale with minimal capital outlay, or the installer being able to get involved and bring you know, a variety of services to life up front versus having to kind of knit things together on these shoestring budgets. I really think there is an opportunity across the ecosystem, whether it's the as-a-service providers, the traditional guys like Zoom and Five Nines who are doing it from a service perspective, or the installers and integrators, there's an opportunity for everyone to kind of get benefits here. Um, it starts with a customer-first mindset. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, another one of the, the, the service providers that you guys are partnering with is also uh, Midwich slash, well, Midwich globally, but also staring here locally in the States. Uh, so that, that's kind of neat. I want to point something out here, though. And, and Darius, you, you, you hit something that I had never thought of. And, and as, a, as, a, as a kid who grew up in the 70s and the 80s, I grew up with, with the AT&T model. Never occurred to me. You were the first person that ever pointed out to me the fact that that was the, not the original hardware as a service model. But you're right. You couldn't plug in anything. You had to buy the phone from AT&T. It was a court case that allowed others to go on there. And you got the service and the hardware from them. So you're right. The, the folks that are saying that hardware and software as a service is, is a new thing. So, yeah. All right, Mr. McGinnis, uh, not for nothing, but your company is called Avitas, which is A-V-I-T as a service. So hit me here. Has, as, as consultants, as, as integrators, and also as, as AV pros, how do we move this this forward and and you know 
leverage things that, that Darius and Polly is doing and leverage things that, that Cisco is, is possibly looking at? Uh, it's a unique time in history. And, uh, you know, we're, we're seeing pretty much everything in our lives descending down Maslow's hierarchy of needs from things you want to things you need. Well, if people are going to be able to, if companies are going to be able to afford uh, to give their employees the level of technology that they need to do their jobs, they're likely going to do it, have to do it, on an as-a-service model. Um, and uh, I, I really believe that, uh, that COVID and the impact that it's had on the economy and on uh, corporate coffers uh, is, uh, is going to drive adoption. Um, and not, not just of a leasing thing, but people, uh, corporations are going to be looking to shed overhead. A lot of the people that were furloughed are not going to be invited back. Um, everybody's going to have to try and do more with less. You know, the, the economy's done wonderful things for, um, for almost a decade now. And uh, businesses and business processes have gotten fat. I can't tell you the number of times, it, just in the last two weeks, I've heard about uh, companies having to go through six meetings in order to get a simple uh, directive approved six levels of meetings. Well, we can't afford to do that anymore. People are not going to have the time. They're not going to have the people. They're not going to have the money. And so technology is going to take that over. If there's not cash for technology, and if there aren't people on staff that otherwise would be supporting that technology, um, then it becomes as a service. Uh, it's, uh, it, it's a good time for that. And, you know, we, we saw it first in the IT industry. Um, people couldn't afford to have the expertise on staff uh, as networks and uh, software became more and more complex. And so they outsourced it um, and had, uh, you know, had business process management and people management within IT departments. But, but a lot of the intellectual, uh, same thing is, is likely going to evolve. And, and uh, I'm sure you're already starting to hear about some of the tech managers uh, um, uh, and uh, AV support staff at larger corporations uh, being, uh, being furloughed indefinitely as, uh, as their companies uh, kind of look to, look to pair overhead, pair expenses, and, and hunker down uh, because winter is coming. So, um, uh, but technology is going to be critical. And, uh, uh, and if manufacturers like Poly and Cisco come to the table with some of that financing because they have the resources and they can tap into, you know, their capital pools and their bankers uh, to assist integrators who don't necessarily, you know, have the same depth uh, of, uh, of financing capabilities behind them. And you combine some vendor financing um, with, uh, uh, you know, with some term financing at the, at the customer end, uh, it's going to be a win-win situation. And, and as Kelly pointed out, um, integrators that are poised to become services businesses uh, are the ones that are going to win long-term. Absolutely. All right. Last story here. This one comes to us from our buddies over at Commercial Integrator. DNB Audio Technic announced a new certified pre-owned program offering customers 
the chance to purchase remanufactured DNB systems. It's part of the DNB DNB remanufacturing process. Each system goes through an exterior mechanical and acoustic check. The exterior check includes a full system inspection to confirm there's no damage. All foam and seals are replaced and the exterior is repainted with the original DNB top coat. These devices are coming off of rental and staging gears. And that's why I wanted to, to bring this up. Kelly mentioned the fact that, that certain um, employment numbers don't include our, 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 our brothers and sisters that are in the, the rental and staging uh, industry, and, and they're right. But this is a way for those companies and, and, and you know, those employees to start getting uh, a little bit of relief. They're able to bring their systems off of the truck, out, out of the rack, and at least for DNB, sell them back to them and, and, and recoup some of the of the uh, the cost of those. Darius, I'm talk with start with you on this. This is the the staging and event uh, industry is one of the biggest hardest hits in general. Not even talking about AV, just in general globally. Uh, this is a company that's doing something to at least help that because that's obviously a, a big constituent for them and a big uh, con, uh, customer for them. When you guys are looking from a corporate standpoint, and Darius has been an executive at other corporate uh, corporations as well, when you look at, at, at instances like this and this current crisis, which is unlike anything we've ever seen, from a corporate level, and I'm not asking Polly specifically, but your, your experience as, as an executive, talk about some of the, the conversations you guys are able to have kind of internally, but also about ways to help your customers and your clientele through difficult times. Yeah, absolutely. When you when you think of you know remanufacturing and reconditioning uh, as kind of the the cornerstone of the topic, this is about creativity, right? This is about us all coming together and putting you know our, I'll call it religious corporate beliefs aside um, and not being dogmatic about you know our individual beliefs. And this is about success as an industry, and so. We're all having to get extremely creative. Um, hardware is a service. I mean, you mentioned the person with the T-shirt that said, you know, it'll fail, and then they signed a, a contract recently. Um, we're all having to give up that religion. Um, we are very much with the, the has offering um, that we've been talking about. That was one of the first things that we thought of is, wow, this is going to create, you know, kind of a gap, and we're going to have to recycle in, in some way, shape, or form as an industry. And so what are we going to do about that? Um, there's some creative ways to do it. We, we haven't announced those yet, um, but a lot of the partner community is really helping us kind of think through what does right look like, um, you know, in the short term. And in the long term, I think the entire industry is going to have to kind of change some of its longstanding beliefs on what to do with product uh, when it's reached a technical end of life, but is still relevant. Uh, what to do about, you know, something that's been deployed in an organization and needs to be redeployed. Um, how do we do that in a way that's fair to all parties involved? So I think this is about creativity. And once again, I, I think it's about us coming together as an industry. All right. Brock, in your, in your previous uh, life, you, you uh, were a part of an organization that did a lot of live staging and events uh, in and around not just Toronto, but all over Canada. You're looking at, at those folks that, that you had worked with in, 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 those, in, in those industries. What other creative ways, because Darius is right, this is a really creative way to, to help out that, the, the staging and events area. What are some other areas that are, are ways that either you've seen or you've thought of in the last two or three months to help out that, that segment? Um, it's really tough. Uh, you know, the, um, uh, the venue business uh, has very specific talents associated with it. 
You know, people are running systems in buildings. Um, some of those skills are transferable, some of them are not. I'm really hoping to see a lot of live event technicians uh, end up in the integration and customer support world. Um, live events people are the best problem solvers in the world uh, because the band has to go on at nine o'clock or nobody gets paid. And, uh, and so everybody who grew up in that industry is fantastic at solving problems. Well, solving problems is, is, a, uh, is pretty cross-disciplinary. Um, they also tend to be um, very good uh, customer service, you know, customer-facing people. Um, and I know you're smiling, uh, sitting there smiling there, and you probably have this stereotype of, of uh, long hair, tats, and a lot of piercings. The, re the reality is, is that uh, the live events business is very stressful, um, and they're dealing with talent and each other and visiting crews and unions, and most people who have flourished in that world, uh, you know, whether it's from the rock and roll side or, or to the crazy meeting lady, um, you know, at the Hilton, uh, the, you develop some really good skills. And so while the corporations are kind of focused right now on virtual events um, and the venue people uh, are engaged in a lot of religious activity because that may be the only thing that is going to save them, um, the, the live event staff themselves I think are going to be able to permeate uh, out into uh, out into other roles, and they may have to do that for a year or two. Yeah, and I was I was smirking and smiling because uh, you're right about customer service because of the talent and egos that they have to uh, manage on a on a nightly basis. And the the stressful conditions under which they operate. Yeah. Every meeting is every meeting happens once. Uh, every performance and production for a specific audience only happens once. Um, and, uh, and it's why, you know, again, stereotypically, so many of them come across kind of gruff and a little removed, but, but it, it's a bit of a protective mechanism because they can't say what they think and they have to keep the customer happy and they have to solve the problem right now. Um, and, uh, and it's a bunch of good people. And this may be the first time in their lives that they're, you know, forced to look outside of, of uh, you know, the comfortable industry that they know. But um, if there are no buffalo on the prairie and you're a buffalo hunter, you got to start looking for rabbits or something else, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and, that, and that right there is a whole nother conversation of what happens at the end of this um, when a good portion of that legacy talent pool has had to go in, elsewhere and in, in, uh, into other industries, we very well could just lose a, a good chunk of that because uh, yeah. they may not be back. So, yeah. uh, Kelly, we'll let you wrap up here. What are other ways that just not just manufacturers, but us as an industry uh, can, can help out with, with the staging and events folks? I mean, I, I get a lot of people calling me just from being at NSCA and the Ignite uh, program and trying to um, just, help people in a, in a workforce, but I mean, it's, it's tough. <laughs> and, you know, I follow stuff on Reddit and there was a gentleman on there just as an example who was looking to get into AV because he, um, lost his job at one of the Cirque shows in Las Vegas, you know, and he's like, I need, like, I don't know what to do. Do you think this is a good 
option to go into the commercial side of things. Um, and it was crazy because all of the comments on there were like, stay away, don't come into pro AV, blah, 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 you know? And, and I reached, I just, I sent him a, you know, just a message and I said, I said, you know, it's really not all that bad. <laughs> I said, I said, there's lots of opportunity. You can go this way, you can go that way. And then eventually ended up talking to him and connecting him with another organization in the industry. And so at least like, I, I mean, you know, on a, on a large scale, uh, how can we all help? I mean, you know, like Darius said and Brock, we have to get creative, you know, on an individual level, just helping point people in the right direction, listen, give them an ear. You know, I've, I'm part of the Midwest live production group on Facebook. So if there's any type of corporate event where they're looking to live stream, they need OBS help, you know, any type of virtual event, you know, I point it their way, but, um, yeah, it makes me sad to think that, you know, that we could potentially lose all of these people because they are awesome people. I mean, I've worked with them, you know, in several capacities and it just sucks because like Brock said, they're, they're, they're the people that can think on their toes so quickly <laughs> and it could be a disaster behind the scenes, but you know, it looks perfect to everyone else. So it's just, it would be a bummer to, to see everybody go. So I, I try and steer them back to the you know, the commercial side of stuff, the pro AV industry is to, to keep them. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure we, what we can all do as a whole. Yeah, absolutely. And you, and actually Kelly brought up a really good uh, idea as well. There are a number of people who are doing um, virtual events, right? And um, yes, I'm, I'm certain that, that, you know, um, you there are really great ways to DIY those virtual events. However, uh, if it's an important event, uh, you probably shouldn't leave it to yourself or, 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 or DIY it. You should leave it to professionals who do it. And those are some of the best professionals who do it right now. Because number one, they have the expertise, like Brock said. They can troubleshoot and, and they've got the ability to put on an actual show. So reach out to folks. Reach out to, to Facebook group, groups like that. Um, reach out to um, uh, various uh, unions here in St. Louis. Um, IBEW uh, local uh, is is uh, the home for a lot of those folks. So check out your local area and see where where those where your staging events folks live. So, all right, guys, that go ahead. Oh, I I was just going to say um, it's important that uh, you know as uh, as industries move towards virtual events that the live event industry continues to own that production. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's a lot to it. Sorry, oh, I don't mean to interrupt you, a, but I mean, there's it on a couple and it's crazy hard. <laughs> yeah, and so there's advertising and digital content people um, that, and marketing people that have, have, you know, think that they can do this now themselves without all the production folks, and it's just not the case. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, the, um, uh, one of the things that live events people are extremely good at is planning and thinking through risk mitigation and preparing for when things go wrong. And of course they do. <laughs> so they do. Um, I will just say, I'm really glad that when we did a live stream and um, we hadn't quite hit play yet. And I said the F word, <laughs> I was really glad they were there to help me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Get rid of that and go over that. So it was, it was good. <laughs> I'll take you and raise you. I had a button pop. I'm oh, gosh. I'm going stage and I had a button pop. And this woman walks up to me and she just pushes me into the corner, wraps the thing around me, does something with like a paper clip. And then she's like, don't even think about it. 
give me my paperclip when I'm done, when you're done. Like <laughs> they, they awesome. just, they have this talent of like making their, I always say they're built for speed, not comfort. I mean, she literally just shoved me into the drapes, fixed the button and then shoved me on stage and said, go do well and bring me my paperclip back. Yeah. So great. And here's team. the thing there is with that. She looked at you and she looked you up and down in three seconds, right? Right before you went out on stage and like, okay, that's, there's something wrong. Let's go. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. I like that. that. That'll be a good way to end it. Brock, thank you, sir. How do people get a hold of you or uh, Avitas? Uh, I'm at Brock at Avitas.com. As you pointed out, it's A-V-I-T-A-A-S. Um, and I'm Brock McGinnis on Twitter, regular. Mm-hmm. Yes, you are. Kelly Perkins, thank you, ma'am. I am on Twitter, Kelly P. Perkins, LinkedIn, Kelly P. Perkins. Um, and uh, Kelly P. Perkins at gmail.com. Uh, P is for Patricia, if you guys were wondering. That's my mother's middle name. <laughs> I never knew that, actually. Um, Darius, thank you, sir. Very nice to have you on. Uh, again, uh, nice to meet you this week, uh, along with our buddy, uh, Mr. Danto. So uh, how do people connect with you or Polly? So it's uh, www.polly.com. And uh, I'm Darius.Jones, two R's. Uh, at poly.com, Darius M. Jones at uh, Twitter, and same thing for LinkedIn. All right, very good. And we'll, we'll get Darius pulled into uh, AV and the AM, uh, you know, just as almost as much as Mr. Danto is. I'm not sure if that's possible, but we'll, we'll try. So uh, for me, uh, for Tim Albright, don't follow me on the Twitters. Uh, I'm crossing my fingers that the Blues make it to the second round. Uh, that's all I'm doing right now. So, uh, but go by the website if you would please, avnation.tv. That's avnation.tv. You'll find this program and a host of others while you're there. Please check out our underwriters section. This, this, these are the folks who support us and help you bring you AV Week and Resi Week and all the others. And uh, also in about uh, th- two or three weeks' time, uh, we're going to be covering uh, Cedia Expo Virtual, uh, a little bit different than we covered uh, Infocom. We're doing some interviews, uh, remote, obviously, virtually, uh, but folks are going to bring in their, um, their, their products into their s- space, and we're going to talk to them, we'll show it to you and talk about why it's, uh, why it's important, how it's going to impact the, the home AV market. So check all that out and more at avnation.tv. That's avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. That is all the time we have for AV Week.